What's up and welcome into the lead block. My name is Tyler Walters and I am your co-host alongside my co-host Matthew Anderson. How you doing today, Matthew? Doing good, man. Good. It's good to be here. Uh, we're back in the studio for the first time in like six months. Uh, Matthew and I did a sports segment on WSC's Cockledoodle News last semester in the spring, um, every Monday, and we thoroughly enjoyed it. Decided to make it a little more and start a podcast here with Garnet Media Group. Give a little um, bit more background information with more time. Yeah, we we got a. We got some airtime, but it wasn't all we wanted. So uh, Matthew and I teamed up again, said, let's get a podcast going, get some more stuff out there. Uh, We enjoy doing this a lot. So uh, it's going to be hopefully a great experience for us um, going down the road. And to get into it, like I said, my name is Tyler Walters. I am a student here at USC. I'm a journalism major. Um, I will be graduating in December. And then Matthew, you are a junior, correct? Yeah, I'm Matthew Anderson. I'm a junior mass comm major. And then, um, yeah, so like I said, Matthew and I met in early this year in like January, February, got it going, felt like we had a good thing, decided to do this. So the goal of this podcast is just to bring you, uh, the listeners, a show from Garnet Media Group uh, about sports um, and the things that go on here in Columbia in the sports world day in and day out, um, mostly focusing on uh, South Carolina, University of South Carolina athletics because they are the big show in town the the almost the only show in town pretty much yeah and uh we'll we'll cover the sec and obviously clemson um and this will be just like as if it were on any local radio station as a sports show um we'll be covering the same types of things and our we hope to be super engaging so if you're listening and there's ever anything that you want us to discuss on the show reach out to us on twitter it's at the lead underscore block um and hit us in dms or just tweet at us with any questions or any topics that you want to hear um we will have an instagram coming soon with most likely the same handle uh, at the lead underscore block. Um, And you'll be able to do the same thing there and look for the links to our shows on every week on both of those uh, platforms. And Matthew and I's personal Twitter, mine is at Tyler Walters CNR. And Matthew, yours is... Yeah, I'm at Matt the Chosen one, number one. Yep, at Matt the Chosen and then the number one. Um, we'll both tweet out links to the show. Uh, we'll have a show, hopefully our first one, this one, you'll be hearing us on Tuesday. Uh, and from now on, our shows will be dropping Monday and Friday. Uh, we hope to have them up early, early morning, uh, both times. If not, we'll have them up by noon at the latest and uh yeah it's going to be a good time for us so we're going to be mostly focusing on football because it is the fall here so right now we're doing heavy football but we'll we'll be getting into baseball and, and come october playoff baseball for the mlb and once basketball starts we'll get into that uh college and nba um we'll be talking nfl a lot too uh but for right now let's just go ahead and get into the show this week uh Alabama was in town. Um, Nick Saban and the rest of his crew rolled in Saturday and played the Gamecocks on CBS for the CBS Game of the Week uh, Saturday afternoon. And for me, Matthew, I don't know how you feel, but it's always pretty cool uh, to watch the CBS Game of the Week. It's kind of, I 
I feel like the local stations are kind of the forgotten art of old college football because when you watch old movies um, and, and anytime there's a college football game on in the background, it's it's NBC and, and Notre Dame's plan or it's ABC and some random school is playing Big Ten or whatever. And, and it's always been CBS and the SEC and it's always fun to watch that game. It's, it's a the SEC game of the week and it brings a lot of buzz so we had that in Columbia again this week um, so I don't know you just feel like anytime Alabama's here it's it's unreal yeah it's a celebration like and I guess all the kids because you know Alabama goes to all these different venues and they're Alabama so they are the show and so it's like whenever kids come out or even just fans come out to the games they get to see what that Alabama team looks like and even you know when they go through almost whatever the case may be they just look a little bit different and Nick Saban you know serious with his polo and he's ready to get the thing started even from the uh, beginning of the game to the time he takes the team back through the tunnel at the end. Yeah, so I didn't actually get to go to the game this weekend. Um, I walked in for a quick quick second, but I had a previous obligation. I had to leave. But the only thing I wanted to do, I ran in so I could check off my student ticket to make sure I can get tickets in the future. Um, I ran in and told the person I was with, I got to go see Nick Saban face-to-face. I got to stare him in his eye. So I ran down to the field on the sidelines, and I saw him, and I left. Uh, but I was able to watch a good bit of the game. Um, and, and South Carolina South Carolina fans today and yesterday and Saturday afternoon seemed happy. Uh, Pleasantly but, surprised, yeah. but happy, like you said. Yeah, they, they seemed happy about the the loss to Alabama <laughs> sounds weird coming out but to us it's true yeah in this I mean it's, it is Alabama and this team and this fan base you can't expect to beat Alabama the the players absolutely should and that should be <laughs> what they're they're preaching and I think Muschamp's preaching that all week last week um, but yeah as a fan base you got to have some realistic expectations and you know the South Carolina team who just lost to North Carolina two weeks ago um, is not and they look terrible in all facets of the game uh, in Charlotte when they played the Tar Heels. You got to know that they're not going to, they're probably not going to win and if they do, it's going to be a fluke more so on Alabama's part. We would have South Carolina would have had to done everything perfect uh, to really win this game. Um, but yeah, so let's let's get into a little more of that. So, Ryan Alinsky obviously with the start, first big game he played I thought he played pretty well, Matthew. What do you think? Yeah, Halinski, uh, I definitely, whenever he wasn't under pressure, it seemed like he was kind of getting in, was able to kind of pick him apart a little bit. But when they started bringing the pressure, it was kind of, he had a great pass, though, to Shot Smith. Things like a 30, yeah, Shot Smith. Yeah, 30, 40 yard, like pretty pretty much putting the ball where only uh, his receiver could make the play. He looked really good, especially for a freshman. He went 36 for 57 for 324 yards, two touchdowns with only one interception, and he was the SEC. Fresh, he, earned, he earned SEC Freshman of the Week honors. Yeah. But yeah, like you just said, he threw the ball 57 times this week, which was not something I expected to see from the play calling we saw two weeks ago uh, at home watching South Carolina play North Carolina and Charlotte. It was very conservative, and it was... There were no chances taken, and it looked like they were just trying to kind of go through the motions yeah, of that game. Yeah. And then they come out this week, which you're going to have to do against Alabama, but then they throw the ball 
60 times with a freshman first they just had two weeks ago their starting quarterback was a senior who had started over 30 games um i thought that was a little i don't know i think that it says more about the unc game and how the coaches were unprepared to call plays in that game than it did the Alabama game. Uh, I, I I think that this is more of the role that South Carolina should have taken on from the very start of the season. Uh, maybe not throwing the ball 60 times a game, but <laughs> they they ran a lot of plays, and uh, I mean, Alinsky had some great throws. He looked good. Um, but yeah, that, that's the Shasmith catch that you just talked about. I couldn't. That was it. So that happened at the end of the first quarter, and that was right after I got back to to watch the game. Um, right as soon as I got to a TV, and what a dime! You know, right over two guys, and I'm pretty sure those guys were juniors, at least upperclassmen. So right in between them, and it was double coverage too. So you couldn't draw that one up any. Well, actually, you could draw that one up better. You couldn't put that ball. Put uh, the ball placement could be any better than where it was. Yeah, I mean, he, he put it right on the money, and he's got two, like you just said, Alabama DBs. Those guys have faced, I mean, the best quarterbacks in the SEC. Uh, two and, every day in practice, too. Yeah. two. Well, the best quarterback probably in the country. Yeah. Um, seems to be the consensus around the nation from media and Tua. And then, I mean, they, they play Jake Fromm. They play Trevor Lawrence. They, they've played, you know, some of the older uh guys in the SEC and around the nation and who have made teams who made college football playoff. Um, and then Helensky made that throw. And for the game that South Carolina was about to have, they really played in the first half. They came out and I said, oh, okay, this isn't going to be a lay down and let them walk all over you game. Yeah, Alabama won by a lot of points. But South Carolina came out, and they they took their shots, right. which I thought was impressive. Lotta had the momentum killed by the whole punt. What is it? The fake punt? Well, the, the fake, fake field goal. Fake field goal. So was a killer. So before that, though, the momentum's going your way. Obviously, it's fourth down. You do that. So without that, maybe it continues, but you never know. Yeah, so uh, Will Champ runs a, a a fake field goal. My biggest criticism to him in, in week one is, uh, and I think this was most South Carolina's fans' criticism of him as well, uh, is they get a fourth and one at UNC and a big moment in the game, and instead of going for it, they elect to punt, and that basically just killed the momentum for South Carolina, and after that, they give up a 90-plus yard drive. North Carolina go down the scores. That game was over right there. Right, so now two weeks later, he knows he's gonna have to pull a few tricks out of his hat to beat Alabama, um, and South Carolina runs the old over the over the head flip to the kicker. The first time I saw it was LSU ran it yeah. in like 2007, their national championship year. I remember they ran it against South Carolina when South Carolina went to uh, Death Valley. That was a long time ago, right there. Yeah, that was back when the Brinkley brothers were were sporting the garnet and black. Sheesh, that was a long time ago. And, and they run that play. Parker White takes off, gets to the edge. Look pretty speedy. Maybe we stick him at, you know, slot every now and then. He gets to the end zone, scores a touchdown. Great moment for South Carolina. And then it gets called back for holding on Kyle Markway, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I believe it was 82. And I don't – there was a lot of – there's been – the talk since the game has happened is that the refs screwed over South Carolina multiple times during the game. 
and this was kind of the first thing that happened i don't i didn't see the hold but honestly i only saw the play three times now right right and there's holding on every play so yeah you might not get the call uh maybe markway didn't hold but it was on a different guy and the ref just called whatever but the thing is if you're will muschamp how do you and i and if you're playing on this if you're in on this play and you're on south carolina special teams unit how do you not walk on the field and your first thought is i cannot commit a penalty because I know what we're about to run and on the off chance that this thing works and we score a touchdown I don't want to be the guy that just cost us six points which is exactly what happened yeah nobody wants to walk back to that sideline after I mean the whole stadium erupts and then then they call the penalty and then they call your number out too and then you have to walk back to that bench not only do you have to see the head coach probably also have to see the special teams coordinator and then you got to face your team and nobody's dap you up for that I'm sure of that no no you're no you're right and then I mean it's just a momentum killer because then when you go you're like all right well coach we just we ran our play and we executed but we had this penalty and now Alabama's they're they're okay we've shown Nick Saban our cards and they should have worked but they didn't we got called on a technical thing as well Muschamp speaking you know or the team speaking here and now if you're South Carolina you're, you're standing around and you're like alright well what do we do now well Muschamp elects to, to go for a punt fake in the second quarter and that's just immediately sniffed out yeah just killed down Shy tried to get out of it I think he avoided one tackle but it was too many guys in the white there to make the tackle yeah and Alabama just kind of had that red from the start and that's the kind of thing you can't really do against Nick Saban and, and Alabama uh you can't you can't push it yeah right you got to take the chances and Muschamp took that chance and it worked almost and then you you can't follow up with a punt again in a weird scenario where you're only down by a few points right and you just go for it again because now they're hyper alert and their guys are saying their coaches you've got to believe their coaches are saying don't bite on anything stay at the line cover your guy watch the fake and it happened and they stopped it so i don't i thought the fake punt from south carolina was a bit much uh there in the second quarter and but the 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 play calling Muschamp said in his press conference last week there was going to be a lot of deep balls there'll be a lot of 50 50 balls Shaw Smith first quarter we just talked about that ball from Holinsky I mean that's a 50 50 ball he's throwing the ball on the field yeah that's something you gotta like to see as a South Carolina fan is how aggressive almost too aggressive but the play calling was aggressive and it, it had to give you some hope of like, all right, well, like I said earlier, they're not going to lay down and just lose to Alabama. They're going to put up a fight and, and see what happens and maybe throw a few different wrenches in there to see what can happen and, and try to create just some weird momentum and just go with it. It's like they're going to trust the arm of Helensky and it's going to be like, all right, well, you're obviously, like you said, they almost threw 60 passes. Like, we're going to go, we're going to play behind his arm. We're going to run the ball a little bit to, you know, keep the safeties and linebackers back. But besides that, we're going to air it out and see. And this is probably really going to be helping recruiting because now you got receivers I'll be looking to come to South Carolina let's say if you're in the South Carolina area even you know Georgia Florida wherever but it's like they know you can look but look we're gonna throw the ball 60 uh, times a game not every game but you know a lot it's like so if you can catch it there's room for you on the field yeah and, and I mean as we're talking here uh, I'm thinking about the other big plays that kind of happened in the first half and uh, you got the the 
one of the more highlighted plays of the week uh, with Alabama's running back Harris. I can't. What's his Najee first? Harris. Najee Harris. Uh, hopefully, said that right. Yeah. Hurdles a guy. Jukes a guy. <laughs> and then Ernest Jones, uh, middle linebacker for South Carolina, just kind of gives up on it. Unless I'm walking to the end zone. That's on a fourth down. They go for that fourth down. Alabama's, I'm sure, expecting to get the first down, keep going, keep pushing the clock. They bust it wide open and score a touchdown there. And it was a really good, uh, really well drawn up play. You had Jerry Judy who was going out and route, and he accident, like not accidentally, I'm sure it was purposeful. He turned into a blocker on the play with his route. And so it kind of cut off that side of the field, kind of was like a pick play. And then so Najee took it, threw off D, what, DJ Wanham, that's his name, yes. Wanham, threw 290 pounds, throws him to the sideline takes off running I always think it's crazy it's like this, these dudes are running sh- like forward and like most times you see somebody come you're like let me get out of his way they think let me jump over him yeah. and Roderick is not a small dude he's like no. six foot six foot one he comes in low uh, that's why you jump over hurdles in the summer though he jumps over him heads to the end zone I thought okay Ernest all he has to do is really push him out a little bit and by all means he'll probably go out of bounds nope he kind of tags him the guy runs into the end zone now they're super hyped I think that took a lot of the uh, momentum out the stadium. Yeah, that, that kind of just popped the balloon South Carolina had going there. I was listening to Peter Burns kind of uh, break down, the, Peter Burns on the SEC Network break this play down earlier, and, and he's talking about how, you know, this is a big guy. Harris is a big guy, so, right, you're not going to tackle him standing up. 6'2", 230 to be specific. Yeah, that's a big dude to be taken down, and, and you're not going to tackle this guy standing up. You're not going to just push him on the ground him coming full steam at you. So you got to go low. But then he just hurdles you. <laughs> what do you do now? That is insane. That's why at Alabama they do the big uh, – remember, I don't know if you've seen the video of Jalen Hurts with the squats and stuff. Yeah. The fourth quarter program is insane. It's like four of these moments. Yeah, and it's – I mean, I don't – what do you do if you get – obviously you look bad if you're your rider. Like, but, you, I mean, you approach the play as you should. But I, I just – I mean, if you're a South Carolina fan, I don't see like you don't look at Jones there. And say, what are you doing, man? You you kind of gave up on the plate. Yeah, you got he got the first down, but a tackle's got to be made. And Harris is tiptoeing the sideline at that point to push him out. I'm sure they went and watched the film on this probably last night. You know, whenever the film probably was actually published right after the game, so they probably looked at it. That's one of those ones you know when play six comes up, you're gonna go ahead and sit down in your seat. You're gonna kind of go to the back because you don't want the coach to call you out. And for sure, knowing uh, T. Rob and. Hustler, they'll be calling him out on about that one, I feel. Yeah, and, and Muschamp, I can't imagine what Muschamp would, was thinking when he watched this playback. Because he was heated during the game. Um, I don't know if you saw the clip of Muschamp. Just, it's been going around Twitter. Just, what the F are you doing constantly? <laughs> <laughs> Cracks me up. If you haven't seen it, go, go find some SEC account some fan account it'll be on there within the last few days just classic must champ the old <laughs> video of him when he's at texas just punching the whiteboard and making it spin that's the kind of must champ you got and a must champ came here to south carolina that's kind of what i thought we were we were getting in south carolina yeah. i thought that's what we were getting in columbia i thought we were bringing this hothead in and <laughs> which but they made it a point of emphasis in his opening press conference as head coach of South Carolina that there would be no quote-unquote sideline annex. Um, but that's kind of what you get Will Muschamp for it. And you can't – I don't know. I, I thought it was hilarious to see him go back to being like who he is on the sideline. 
excuse me, and just being fired up and red face and just yelling at people and getting teams motivated and, and having his guys backs and he's yelling at the refs and his halftime interview is well, priceless. I mean, they're going to have to clip that and just find a way to put that clip on a plaque in the College Football Hall of Fame. So he tells the reporter, I can't say, I can't comment on that play because what I have to say will get me fined for the rest of my life. That thing was absolutely, and then, and then they ask about how Solinsky, he's like, he's fine, and he just like runs with That was hilarious. I enjoyed that. That's like you said, that's typical old school must jump at Auburn. I remember it's Auburn, Texas, and all the other places. I'm sure there are a lot of former players of must jump who have many stories about how he, oh I remember when he was at Florida one time oh god I think it was it might have been a halftime interview or something like that uh, tight end dropped the ball and he goes yeah he's on scholarship catch the ball like, it was <laughs> <laughs> yeah West Champ's great yeah and I mean that's why you love him uh, as a fan of college football is there's these guys around the country and each little different thing about them makes them special it makes you like them and you can't take like you take Mike Gundy's mullet off now you just got a a guy you got a guy screaming at a press conference saying I'm a man I'm 40 and that's all you got you don't have a mullet and and it's the same thing with Mike Leach. If you don't let him ramble on after every answer in a press conference, you just got a kind of boring guy. Muschamp's thing is just being red faced and being really sweaty and just yelling at people. Yeah. And uh, credit to Jamie Erdahl for just letting him letting him go at it. Uh, <laughs> the sideline reporter for CBS. And yeah, it, it was it was hilarious. I thought. And uh, I mean, that's kind of that's kind of got to fire you up as a, as a player. I don't know how many guys saw that going into the locker. I'm sure one or two of them ran by and saw coach yelling into the mic, uh, as they entered a tunnel. But when you watch that back this week, uh, as a player, you, you got to know, all right, coach has got my back. And, and he was upset about the, the referees calling the game. And he speak, he's speaking the place speaking about, uh, let's take it back here a minute. Is the Rico Dowdle stretch for the end zone uh, where Rico Dowdle was called down at like the two, yeah, two half yard, yard line, line something yeah. like that? And, and his knee never goes down if you watch the replay enough times and get enough angles. But Muschamp doesn't challenge the play, they just let him call it down at the two. And I'm not sure if it was in his post game presser. Or after the game, I saw a report uh, or tweet from one of the South Carolina beat writers that said Muschamp said that it wasn't in the rule book that he could challenge this play, which does not look good, right, on him because you got to know as a coach what he what throw the challenge the play. Either that or use a timeout and give them more time to look at it or something like that. Pause that game, though. That's what the challenge is for. Yeah. So, it, and the SEC officiating account tweeted out the video, which is, God bless him, the greatest account on Twitter now. I don't know who from the SEC decided to start a referee account, but I you you really set the yourself up. The real MVP. Up. Yeah. And when they tweeted out this summer that this is their SEC officiating account, the official will be tweeting stuff all year. I the first comment's hilarious. If you haven't seen that, go look at it. But they tweet out this clip uh, of Dowdle and the SEC officiating crew says, we, 
we market is down. The tweet says we market down to the yard line. That's basically all the tweet says. Right. Because it's a controversial call. They just put it up on Twitter for more people to see it. But there, the SEC came out later and said, yes, absolutely. He could have reviewed that. They never walked back their word on the call because they're obviously not going to do that. Right, right. It wouldn't look good. No, they have no reason to because there was no challenge. But if you're Will Muschamp, how do you not know that you can you can challenge that play? And, and if if I'm Ray Tanner this morning, the South Carolina Athletics Director, I'm jumping all over him for not challenging that play because that is a bad look professionally for him. And, and I don't think South Carolina fans are mad enough about that. I, I saw it a little bit um, Saturday on, on Twitter and, and on the message boards a little, but you got to be more ticked off about him not challenging that play. And, and I don't know what his train of thought there was, why he thought he couldn't challenge it, but that's what it's for. Right, right, right. And I think in the NFL, you know, you see the challenge flags gets tossed all the time, every game. I think it's just because coaches are more comfortable with the rules and they know how those rules work more because they challenge plays all the time. And it's very easy for them to just throw the challenge flag. In college football, you got to take a timeout, call the flag, call, go up to the ref, challenge the play, and then they'll look at it, you know. And it's the same as the NFL. If you get the challenge wrong, you lose a timeout. But... Just call the timeout. South Carolina had three timeouts at that point. Yep. They didn't call the timeout. And I I don't know. I, I'll never be able to understand what Muschamp's uh, thought process was there. And then uh, the other thing I wanted to hit on in this scene, uh, a couple more things. South Carolina down late in the uh, in the fourth quarter here. What were they down? 47 to uh, 16. So the spread was 25 and a half for this game. Um, and, and I said on Friday uh, to a few people that the spread's 25 and a half. Bama's not going to win by 25 and a half, but they might win by 25. And South Carolina throws in a, a nice touchdown at the end to get a little backdoor cover. Good yeah. teams win. <laughs> Great teams cover. Um, so I'm sure all the South Carolina betters this weekend were really happy. Uh, so they throw that touchdown in, and, and that was a lot of talk today uh, from what I've seen around the SEC. South Carolina really messing up some people and really helping out some people. Um, but the other thing I wanted to mention is is Nick Saban now 17-0 and against former assistants. And I don't know how he does it. He eventually got to lose to one of these guys, right? It's pretty much, it sounds like it's like, yo, when, as soon as you leave this staff, you will not beat me. So <laughs> go ahead and take your talents to the Big 12, the Pac-10, anything of that nature. Because when if you come and see me again, you will not beat me. And it's not like he has a bunch of bum assistants either. He's got Muschamp. Um, Jim McElwain, was he an assistant? McElwain, who was at Florida for a short time. Jimbo? Um, he's got... Uh, Jimbo. Um, he's got Kirby Smart at Georgia. He plays these guys regularly now, even more. Now he's playing Jimbo every year, and it looks like he's going to play Kirby Smart until Nick Saban kicks the bucket in the SEC championship. Yep. Um, because he's never retiring, and they're never not making it, it looks like. And he just continues to beat these guys. And the only one you can kind of – Nick Saban and Bill Belichick get compared a lot – because of their extended dynasties and right now in sports and Belichick, uh, I, I was looking at a graphic yesterday of him versus his former assistants. He's like nine and eight. Uh-uh. It, yeah, just very average. And he's considered the greatest, I would consider the greatest NFL coach of all time. Um, 
and probably the greatest coach in American professional sports of all time. Um, and he he loses these guys all the time. I don't know. I just think it's kind of cool, and it get, it does get talked about a lot. Uh, I don't know how much of that is. Nick Saban knows these guys. I think that's kind of blown out of proportion. I don't really agree. I think it's just Nick Saban's just no one will ever be as good as he is. Yeah, he's just really good at what he does. Yeah, and how many games Alabama's only lost, like, what, 20 games? Not even 20 games since he's been there in 2007? And people forget Alabama was not what they are now whenever he got there. They no. went through a long spell of losing. What's the guy, quarterback, John Parker Wilson, I think was the yeah, guy's name. Yeah. yeah, and then that 2000 and. Brother was on two days on MTV. Yeah, yeah. And then 2008, I think was his first year. They did decent. That 2019, that's the team that went to the national championship. Julio, Mark Ingram. If you listen to the names on that team, uh, yeah. linebacker for the Patriots. What's his name? Middle linebacker. Dante Hightower. Hightower. Courtney Upshaw. They've got like five of them that have been through the Patriots. Yeah, Ballard. What's the uh, his number four? Mark Barron. There were some guys on the Barron was a dude. There were some dudes on that team. That was a team, if I'm not mistaken, that 2009. Is was that the year they beat Texas? Uh, no, they beat Texas the second time they went, I believe, because uh, Will Muschamp was with Texas when they beat. That is right. When they, uh, Will Muschamp was Mac Brown's defensive coordinator at Texas. Whenever Colt McCoy got hurt in the national championship game against Alabama, and, and Gary Gilbert had to go in. Yep, and Texas ends up losing, and Saban wins another one, and then this, it, the story just goes on. That was against Florida. The that was when they beat Florida. Okay, gotcha. in the SEC championship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's move on around the SEC. <laughs> so uh, enough about South Carolina. And so Felipe Franks goes down this weekend at Kentucky uh, after Florida escapes uh, a game in Kentucky. I don't – Kentucky kind of botched the ending there. Missed a field goal. Yep. Final gives sc- up a big touchdown. Final score was 29-21. to 21, And Felipe is out for about six months. So, junior Kyle Trask, who came in and completed the game, will uh, be leading the Gators for the rest of the season. Yep. And to further that point, Felipe Franks is now the third SEC quarterback, SEC East quarterback, uh, who came in game one as the starting quarterback to be out for the year. Had Bentley go down first for South Carolina. He's out for the year. Um, and then you had Terry Wilson, Kentucky's quarterback, who led them pretty good season last year. I mean, they were finished top 10, beat Penn State in a bowl game. Um, and then now you have Felipe Franks, who has been kind of a source of controversy the last two years in the SEC. Last year, he's got his own fans booing him and stuff. And this year, fans don't know what to expect from him. And he's been good and he's been bad. And Miami didn't, the Miami game didn't look great. And, but he's still kind of the, older guy there who's the leader um i don't really know what to think about felipe franks because he's not florida quarterbacks of pass no obviously no one's tim tebow but he's not even chris leak so i he's just not kind of what they've had and um he's not i thought luke del rio was a pretty good quarterback when they had him for what a year or two uh, down at florida um and I thought he was going to be the next big thing, and Franks kind of took over that role from him. I, Felipe Franks, to me, just seems kind of like the kind of kid who's just good enough to not lose that job in practice. Yeah, yeah, but but you can't tell him anything. No, absolutely not. And he's, I don't know, he's kind of a, a weird dude, I want to say. He's waving at fans who are booing him in the crowd. He's, after... Uh, 
he scored a touchdown to go up against South Carolina last year after South Carolina was winning about 17 or whatever at halftime. He's shushing his home crowd. That's a weird move for a quarterback. <laughs> I don't. I didn't get that. I thought that was weird. And I saw an interview a couple weeks ago. He said he kind of thought it was weird now, but at the time he felt like that's what he needed to do. Yeah, when that adrenaline was running, he's like one of those super confident guys. He's probably the guy in high school that you may – like, okay, let's say you go to the same high school as him, then y'all go to the same college, and then you think about speaking to him because he might just be like, who are you, just for the whole yeah. thing. He's definitely that kind of guy. Yeah, a thousand percent. And he's – so now Florida, Florida's still ranked number nine or whatever, number eight. They're in the top ten. I don't know why. I don't think I don't I didn't think looking at last year's Florida team uh, that they should have came in ranked this year in the top ten. I don't think they're anywhere close to a top ten program. I think there are more than ten teams in the country who can beat Florida right now. Most definitely. You look at you look at Miami the week one game. Florida looked terrible, or week zero. Uh, Florida looked absolutely garbage. They get away with a win, and then now this week. They get away with a win at Kentucky. They're not, and Kentucky's a decent football team. They're not what they are last year. They just lost a lot of guys. Um, they lost Josh Allen and, yeah, and running back was really, and they lost too. their running back as well. Um, and, and they they just aren't as good as what I think people think they are. Um, where do you think that? Um, where do you think Florida ranks in SEC East? In the East, I mean, they got to be behind Georgia. And that's not a credit to Florida. That's just kind of a credit to how bad the East is right now. If you're looking at the East, you got Vanderbilt, who's, well, I was about to say at the bottom, but they're a little a little ahead of our friends at Tennessee. Um, <laughs> Rocky top. We'll get to them in a second. And they're they're definitely above South Carolina. And But I don't really know how much better than – I mean, I guess they're nine points better than Kentucky is what the score says. Yeah. But – they're not I mean I wouldn't have put them much higher than Kentucky coming into this year and, and it's Benny Snell was a, was the running back Kentucky lost by the way and um, yeah I, I just I don't I don't see them beating every team in the nation except nine so you're telling me that only Alabama LSU um, Clemson can beat Florida and they're still ranked higher than A&M right I, I believe so um, and you're telling me that A&M wouldn't go into the swamp right now and take everything Florida's got from them? I mean, they would beat them like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> and, and it's just kind of ridiculous to me how the media just kind of hypes up uh, Florida year after year just if they get, like, a good coach or um, whoever. And, and, yes, they are ranked. They're ranked eight spots higher than Texas A&M. You think Kellamon can go into the swamp right now and dominate that game? I think he could. I don't, as, long as, as long as they don't have a show, well, nah, because I don't think Florida's defense is nearly as good as Clemson's. So I think no. he would go in there and dominate that. No, one. I mean, no, no offense, Florida fans, but your team's not as good as what people say they are, and, it, and it's kind of, I don't know, it's just disappointing. This is, I just, this gives me that rant of why I hate AP rankings. I, I, I think it's dumb. You shouldn't be ranking a team until week six. You know, yeah, you know who the top four or five teams are. Um, but outside of that, you have no clue who's who's good and who's bad. Because I know for a fact A&M is better than Florida. Right. But A&M's, if you look at them on paper, I mean, if you just look at the records, Florida's better than A&M. But I, I, I don't know. I don't agree with the A&M whole rank of things. We'll get off of Florida for a minute. Um, 
look around the rest of the SEC this past weekend. Arkansas beating Colorado State by 20-something points. That's a pretty big win for them. I was about to say, that, is not a, that should not be overlooked. That's a big win because I'm pretty sure Colorado State beat them last year. Yeah, and that's a good that's a good win for Arkansas, a team to Chad Morris is trying to bring out of the dumpster, so to speak. Um, but, yeah, they – I don't know. I like to see Arkansas do good things. So um, it's cool to see them build something there. And they are just at the bottom of Mount Everest. So they have to climb right now. Especially in the SEC West. Yeah. They're just, they've been at the bottom for four or five years. And, and it's, looking, it's looking rough for them. But to get a win here is good. Um, Auburn obviously blows out Kent State. A&M blows out Lamar. Um, LSU blows out Northwestern State. Coach O's old school. Missouri blows out Southeastern Missouri. Just blowouts all around the SEC this week. Which brings me to my next point. Is why in week three are we having no no ranked matchups in college football? Yeah, I feel like it really takes the air out of college football a little bit because it's like the fans are excited, excited, excited for these top games. And the next thing you know, it's just boom. So we want more ranked matchups as many as possible. Yeah, and it's kind of, I mean, obviously the goes against the rankings. I was just saying, if you're going to have the rankings, make them play each other. Yeah. But the SEC can load these schedules. They have control over their schedule, the SEC schedule. Over what SEC team plays, what SEC school win. You got to make sure there is a good matchup on every week. Right. Right. And I, I, I'm sure they assume that would be South Carolina and Alabama. But looking at South Carolina's last previous three seasons, how do you assume that in 2019, a team that is trying to take the next step is going to be able to definitively prove themselves as a worthy opponent for Alabama. Right, right. I don't I think South Carolina fans are looking at the schedule three years ago saying that's gonna be a tough week. Yeah, it's kind of the same way. Like whenever you see that Alabama LSU is like, yep, that's gonna be That's a moral victory week, that's what <laughs> I like to call it. See what you can come away with and, and to build on because you're not winning that football game. And if you do, it, it's it's not it's a fluke. Right. And I don't you get Kentucky, Florida good matchup but again it's, it's it wasn't a prime time game SEC Nation was there Paul Feinbaum was there Tim Tebow was there who I love both of them dearly but it's that game wasn't shown in the national spotlight at all I feel like it was probably one of the best games of the day but even around college football, you don't have any great matchups. Why are we not scheduling more conference? Start these conference matchups off early. Yeah. So I don't have, I don't need six really good games on at the same time in week seven where I can only watch two or three of them and I can only really focus on one game at a time. I'd rather have a good matchup in week three and then give me two good matchups in week seven versus three in week seven and none in week three. Yeah, is to make sure these format and scheduling is right. So and then it keeps people interested in the sport. And that's basically the whole thing about it is too. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's another thing right now is they don't have anything to compete with. Uh, the NFL's on Sundays. They're not playing on Saturday. Um, base, they don't have to compete with baseball right now. No one's watching September baseball. I, I love baseball. Baseball. baseball has always been and always will be my favorite sport. I have not watched a baseball game in two weeks. Wow. It is it is September baseball. Uh, the teams I like to watch are, are kind of decided. The divisions are decided for the most part. Now in the NL, there's some division races going on. Um, but the American League's pretty much all set, taken away. And, and there's no incentive for me to watch 
September baseball. And you can pretty much count on that every year. Uh, there's going to be a couple teams you won't maybe want to watch if you're a diehard baseball fan. But I think the average sports fan in America is just going to turn on college football. So, but now as you get later in the year, they have to compete with the NBA and have to compete with, and once they get into October, you have to compete with playoff baseball. Um, so you, you stack the bigger matchups in. I, I don't know. It, I just, it's frustrating sometimes. College football and the NCAA and its conferences just really piss fans off uh, a lot of the times. And they just do a lot of what I think to be avoidable mistakes. Um, so we'll go on. Syracuse just absolutely got steamrolled by Clemson over the weekend. 41 to 6. Um, who is that right there? That is Trevor Lawrence went 22 for 39, which is roughly completing 56% of his throws for 395 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions in the Carrier Dome. That is in New York. Amari uh, T. Higgins was a high receptions guy for Clemson with seven catches for 150 yards. He is from Tennessee. As a matter of fact, Tennessee almost had Trevor Lawrence. I think that was his favorite school growing up. And T. Higgins is from Tennessee, so they hate that. And Amari Rodgers, who recovered very quickly from a torn ACL. I think in like record time, he had four catches for 121 yards and two touchdowns. That was a surprise. He, I think he is the fastest guy I've ever seen recover from a torn ACL. And his dad... Mario Rogers' dad was the offensive coordinator at Southern Cal, I think, last season okay. where he got fired. Yeah, I didn't so, know that. Yeah, so usually the Syracuse, they're like a thorn in Clemson's side. This year, Clemson kind of stormed. I was kind of hated that ABC. It's like the ABC game because I was like, yeah. I didn't. I feel like they were completely overmatched this year. Give me, yeah, give me, give me the Florida Kentucky. I, I mean. ABC sets those those games like two weeks ahead of time, so they kind of know, or a week ahead of time, they they can kind of pick the matchup they want. Yeah, ESPN take the Florida Kentucky game going into this week and stick it on ABC. Yeah, Clemson is obviously going to steamroll Syracuse, and they hyped this game up and they wanted it to be so good. And I think most college football fans who have a brain on their head, in their head, knew that Clemson was going to steamroll Syracuse in the way that they did. Yeah, because that ABC coverage game, that game is just covered differently. It's just a really good like showing, but it's like let's just make sure we do that for a game that warrants the attention. Yeah, I mean, a primetime Saturday night, you want to see a close game, um, and, and I turned that one off pretty early. <laughs> I was Clemson's just scoring left and right, wasn't close, not good. Syracuse's terrible colors. Yeah, um, I don't. Those jerseys were rough to look at. So dark orange helmets orange pants dark jersey couldn't read the numbers i don't know that might have just been me but what i do what i did think about the game what was so super interesting is how underwhelming trevor lawrence has been this year and he is now at five interceptions all of last year he didn't start two games but all of last year he threw four interceptions so he's at five and this is a guy here about who's supposed to win the Heisman and is just a runaway for the Heisman. And every time I hear his name, Heisman candidate, Heisman future. Yeah, future number one draft pick, too. Yep. Which that might not be, I'm not discrediting from that. But if right. you think Trevor Lawrence is winning the Heisman this year, you're crazy. Right. You don't watch enough football. Because if you look around the country, you got Jalen Hurts at Oklahoma who started week one throwing up astronomical numbers. And he's going to keep doing that because he can keep doing that. And they play to this 
almost the same, I would argue, better competition in Clemson plays uh, week in and week out with um, the exception of Clemson's big game last weekend against Texas A&M. Um, Oklahoma game. Oklahoma's more big games, I'd say. And he's going to uh, – Jalen Hurts, that is, is going to keep throwing for 400 yards a game. And, and rushing for 100. Rushing for 100. Rushing in two or three scores and just building a Heisman resume just like Baker Mayfield did and just like Kyler Murray did. And it's going to be impossible not to give it to him in December. Not only do I think Trevor Lawrence won't win the Heisman, I don't think he will be in the Nokia Theater or the Nissan Theater, whatever they call it now, in New York, uh, the Downtown Athletic Club, when they hand out. He won't be invited because I don't think he will be that close. Yeah, he'll probably finish in the top ten, maybe the top seven of votes. But he's, I, don't, I don't see a scenario where Trevor Lawrence is going to win the Heisman at the rate he's going. He's going to have to just have maybe the best nine games straight in a row to beat out the guys that he's got to beat out, like Tua, because Tua's going to have bigger games and, like, um, Jalen Hurts. You know, a lot of uh, one person that's picking up a lot of steam is also the quarterback, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. Yeah, it seems like a a lot of people are riding his hype train currently. I think you'll also have Justin Fields from, not Georgia, he's from Ohio State. I think he might be. Transfer from Georgia. Yeah, it's just, it's going to be the fact he plays a Big Ten schedule. The Big Ten's kind of big on defense, so we're going to see him very short. I mean, I think they play Indiana this past week, but when they get into playing Michigan State, Michigan, we're going to see what he's made of. Also, now, a guy in in the at plays in the same was well, in the same locker room as Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne. I think he might get the invite right now. He's looking at forty-two attempts for three hundred thirty-four yards and three touchdowns, and right now he's averaging eight yards from the line of scrimmage. That's a guy. If I'm looking at the Clemson team, Etienne, I'm taking for my Heisman uh, ten times out of ten over Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I, I just don't think that Trevor Lawrence stacks up against the other quarterbacks in the country as far as the way they have performed and the numbers that they have right now. I'm not trying to take anything away from the athlete and the ability that Trevor Lawrence is because I do think he has the ability to be the best quarterback in the country if he isn't already. Um, I think it's him and Tua, and I think it's a close race there. Um, But ETN, I believe, is going to do more than any running back in the country and it's probably not going to be very close yeah because etn i think he had like that guy can easily go for 200 in the game i think he did went for 200 against georgia tech and really with him only takes like two runs because he's a long uh high speed kind of guy but so if he could do that five games for us thousand yards rushing right there he might even be trying to hit two thousand also one running back that i would say you should take a look at is the jk dobbins guy from ohio state he kind of he's everybody kind of says he's like Zeke but I wouldn't like put that on uh, put on but he right now has 60 attempts for 425 yards four touchdowns and 7.1 yards a carry he's from Texas 5'10 217 pounds and he is a junior all right let's move on two more things in college football um the the most interesting game best story of the week for for me this week uh is Kansas going up to Boston College and just beating the crap out of them. Les Miles had those guys ready to go. 48-24. The Mad Hatter. I, I'm, I don't know how, and I saw this when whenever LSU decided to get rid of Les Miles. How did any school not decide to pick up Les Miles? Yeah, Les Miles is probably not going to win you a national championship. But if you're looking at those next tier of schools who are 
above Kansas who aren't LSU and have a reasonable chance of winning a national championship. If you don't think you're going to win a national championship, be honest with yourself. In the next 10 years, but you need a strong foundation, hire Les Miles. Yeah. He's going to win you 10 games in a a year. And he's probably going to do it year in and year out, just like he did at LSU. And, you know, that consistency is one of the hardest things to do in sports, really in life, but definitely in sports. Absolutely. He's going to blow two games a year on his... Terrible clock management. That has always been his problem. Every, you can guarantee a less miles loss on clock management, time management every year. It's kind of funny. He's going to go out there. He's going to eat some grass, and he's going to win football games. And I don't know how so many schools missed on that. Um, I think a lot of schools, it wasn't the right time. The timing didn't match up. But a lot of these schools that were looking for coaches, give them a shot. I, I, don't, I don't get why everyone is just kind of blacklisted less miles to be a legitimate coach in college football. Um, but Les takes Kansas takes a Kansas job. Uh, I'm happy to see him back in college football. Goes to Boston College after they lose after Kansas loses to Charleston or to Coastal Carolina last weekend, an FCS opponent. And they go to Boston College and they double up Boston College on points. Um, this is the first Power Five road win for Kansas since 2008 when they went to Ames in Iowa and played Iowa State, and that was like a two point game. So this is huge for this. This is one of the biggest ones they've had. They beat Texas two years ago at home. And Texas was uh, twenty, so three years ago, twenty sixteen. Texas is garbage then, um, and, and this is one of the biggest ones that they have had since I don't know the millennium. This they're this is incredible for the Kansas program, and they're getting a lot of publicity right now, and it's going to help Los Miles a lot when he goes and sits in someone's, some kid's bedroom and says, Coach, Kansas stinks. That's all I ever know about him. Well, hey, kid, did you see us go beat Boston College last year by 25 points or 24 points? And we're going to kind of keep doing that because I'm, I'm going to show you that we can do it here. And I think that's the most important thing for Les Miles in Kansas right now is to win a few of these games and show these guys and this fan base that they can do it and they're not just a basketball school. Um, they're going to be able to go out and compete in the Big 12 and, and against other Power 5 teams and look good doing it. And that was an incredible game uh, for Les Miles in Kansas. And I just wanted to talk about him for a minute and give him the shine that he deserves uh, on a great win at, at BC. BC, on the other hand, just... Dig a grave now. Your season's over. He's lost <laughs> Kansas at home. Um, funniest thing I saw in college football this week. Uh, I saved it earlier. I, I saw a tweet. Uh, so the Rice down in Texas, they celebrated their their highest GPA uh, in program cumulative GPA in program history. Uh, Two point eight nine. Not great. Not great at all. Not great. They were so proud of this 2.89 that the band took took the field in the formation where the letters spelled out, or the numbers spelled out, 2.89. They used their band to spell it out on the field. And I had to laugh at it. And if you're Rice, what are you doing, man? I, I really don't know. They, they're going to have to. I would say it's time to get some new academic help in there. But, <laughs> I, but, I, but at the same time, sometimes I know how guys can be. And if they're there, to you know, everybody goes in to college thinking they're going to the NFL. So maybe guys aren't just like putting effort into it. But time for the coach to really start putting more emphasis on the academics because 2.89 is not. And for that to be the average, that means it's got to be a lot lower and a lot higher. And it'll average out the middle. 
Yeah, exactly. It, ridiculous. Hilarious, but ridiculous. <laughs> Go find that picture out there. It's it's somewhere. I saw it on Twitter earlier today. Pretty funny. It's a sad-looking 2.892. They don't have that many band members. Um, I mean, just pitiful from Rice. Uh, please win some football games and hire your GPA. <laughs> Off of college football, we're going to be doing a lot of college football. This show is going to be mostly college football. Um, like we said earlier, we are in Columbia. It's a college football town. Um, it's a college football state. We eat, sleep, live it, and breathe it. That is right. College football is going to be our number one focus on this show. If you want to talk college football, if you have questions you want to discuss with us about college football, please uh, tweet at us. That's at the, the lead underscore block. Um, find us on Twitter. Uh, we'll have an Instagram up soon. Find us there as well. Um, please give us your questions. We will answer them. Give us your topics. We'll talk about them. Um, on Thursday, on our Friday show, we will be releasing some picks of the week for for you gamblers out there. Um, this previous weekend, I put out two, three picks. Um, I'll probably be doing about five normally and i was two and one because unc couldn't finish the job would have been three and zero. um and we'll have a great time with college football um and here we go on to the nfl now um first game i want to talk about is the bears Bears game. Did you watch the Bears game yesterday, Matthew? No, I didn't even check it out. All right. So, so the Bears. I I sat down yesterday and I watched all seven hours commercial free football with Scott Hansen. Um, if you're not watching Red Zone every Sunday and, and you're an NFL, if you're not even an NFL fan, just turn on. Just turn it on. Um, just sit down and be quiet, and you don't have to move all day. You don't have to touch the remote, and, and just watch football. It was great. It's good to have it back. I'm excited to have NFL football back. Um, so the Bears game yesterday, they come down to uh, a. Uh, they have to win by. Are they? Excuse me. They have a single possession game against the Broncos in Denver. Um, if you remember, the Bears lost their their season. Their season ended in the playoffs on a. The infamous double doink from Cody Parkey, where their kicker kicked one off of both uprights. Um, excuse me, off the upright and off the crossbar. They missed. They, they in the Phillies or the Eagles win that game. They advance in the playoffs, and the Bears' great season is over. They've been had had kicker troubles all summer. They've been through 15 kickers. They can't get one. They finally get this kid out of Florida, Eddie Pinheiro. Um, I believe I'm saying his name right, and. and he kicks his field goal, and I cannot stress enough how much I wanted him to miss it. That would have devastated nothing, the fan base. Nothing against him, but I, I needed to see Bears fans again just lose their mind over a kick because it has been amazing to watch them do it time and time again over the last 18 months or whatever. And the, the kick that Parkey made in the playoffs wasn't his first big missed kick. I mean, there was a lot of stuff last year that happened to Bears special teams where they could have been better. But I, it would have been hilarious had he missed it. But shout out to Pinheiro. Florida guy. Um, so good for him, I guess. Good for the Bears. Um, the other scores around the NFL uh, are the other big stories around the NFL, excuse me. Um, big Ben and Drew Brees both went out with injuries. 
Drew Brees is going to be out for like an undisclosed amount of time. Yeah, it's, he's out with the he has a torn ligament in his throwing hand. He'll have surgery and he'll likely be out for six weeks, but it kind of depends. And that came off of Aaron Donald hitting him in the hand. It just looked like they slapped hands. Yeah, pretty much. It, and it was kind of a weird coincidence, a f- kind of a freak injury, but. Donald's got a paw. Yeah. And I think coming at you, if you're Drew Brees, yeah, he's going to be out for a while. And then the TV, I think that was on Fox. Fox showed him trying to pick up a football tour. And towards the end of the game, uh, it was actually about midpoint of the game, he couldn't even pick one up. And also, they were saying he was questionable, which is crazy because he had a torn ligament. They were saying he was questionable. That shows you how credible these people are sometimes. And he couldn't even pick it up. <laughs> they put Teddy Bridgewater in. And hopefully, Bridgewater is going to have to kind of carry the thing for them. Uh, at least Bridgewater was at one time a Pro Bowl, I think back in 2015. Yep, with the Vikings. And so we're going to see what he can do for the next six weeks. He's got Michael Thomas, Ted Ginn, Alvin Kamara, make it happen. He's got some playmakers. We're going to see. Uh, that offense isn't that offense without Drew Brees. That's obvious. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what Bridgewater does. I'm interested to see that. I, I don't I don't know how he's going to do because he hasn't really, the times I've seen him play since his ACL injury a few years ago, he hasn't looked great. He doesn't look terrible. I honestly thought they would have went with more Taysom Hill, uh, who they kind of run this weird wildcat package. That guy does everything. He definitely earns his money. Yeah, that's yeah. He and he's willing to do whatever. Um, I thought they would have went with more Taysom Hill, uh, more towards the end of that game. But they were just getting killed by the Rams. The Rams are just a unit again this year. They look like they're just going to keep rolling. Um, 49ers rolled yesterday. Speaking of the NFC West teams, 49ers rolled yesterday. They look good for now. Um, it's Jimmy G's team, right? Jimmy G. We'll see how he finally does in his first, hopefully, no injuries happen or anything. And we can see his first actual NFL season, uh, his complete season. Um, also, Big Ben goes down yesterday. He has been, he is said to have a season ending injury. Um, this isn't the typical Big Ben. We'll throw on a shoulder brace or something and be back next week. Um, He's out. He's done. Mason Rudolph's in. If you remember, Mason Rudolph was the guy. Uh, the story came out in the in the spring or two springs ago, whatever it was, when uh, the Steelers drafted Mason Rudolph. Big Ben refused to train Mason Rudolph um, and teach him how to be a quarterback, which I thought was pretty funny. I love it from Big Ben. If you're a Steelers guy, like. I mean, you're Big Ben. You're getting towards the end of your career. You don't want your job in jeopardy. You, you just no. I'm not training this guy. It's selfish, funny, childish, stupid. I loved it. I loved every second of it. I thought it was funny. And now Big Ben's got to depend on Rudolph to kind of help his team out. Yeah, help his team out. Hope, I wonder how much Big Ben. Really, I I can't imagine Big Ben wants him to win. Yeah, Big, I don't even know. Big Ben's a guy who doesn't want that team to win. No, he's probably definitely like, oh, they lose. Because otherwise, and him getting older too. And so he's like, oh, he sees the end is in sight. Yeah, so he'll be undergoing that elbow surgery. Interesting about Rudolph, he has a younger brother that went to Northwestern at the same school, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, that's right, Rock Hill. Yeah, and he is not Clemson. He plays defensive end. Yeah, and Rudolph also went to Northwestern. Um, uh, Just a, just a, powerhouse bed of football players uh, Northwestern and South Point up there in Rock Hill Um, we'll move on to the next thing kind of serious story here with Antonio Brown um, a story Robert Klimko from SI.com or Sports Illustrated posted an article earlier saying that another accuser had come out um, and, and accused 
Antonio Brown of some kind of sexual misconduct. Um, that is all I have seen about it so far. It's just that one article. Um, he says to have interviewed dozens of people uh, with Sports Illustrated. They've talked to people in the Raiders organization, former trainers. Also, it's kind of a weird article just talking about where Antonio Brown spends his money and how weird of a guy. We know he's a weird guy. Antonio, he doesn't hide that. Um, so it's the first when the first accuser came out last last week, I guess it was, um, and, and is suing Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown is not involved in a criminal case yet. Um, he is involved in a civil suit with uh, the Raiders' old trainer who accused him of rape. Uh, we'll see where that goes. And then also, uh, doctor suing Antonio Brown <laughs> for a thousand unpaid bills. Yeah. And he is claiming that Antonio farted in his face repeatedly. Yeah, I mean, I have I I don't know what to believe about any of these stories right now, because AB is a weird cat. I think he showed that a lot this year. Um, I mean, credit to Mike Tomlin. People like to hate on Mike Tomlin. I don't I don't believe in Mike Tomlin at all. I don't think he's going to win another Super Bowl in Pittsburgh. But he keep he kept this in house. Yeah. Not the fact that Antonio Brown has all of these different weird lawsuits from doctors, lawsuits from other people against him. Um, just so he kept all AB's drama in house and just kept him wrangled somehow. Uh, pretty wild. And I think Steelers fans have got to just be somewhat relieved that they just aren't dealing with this on top of the the Big Ben injury uh, with because the doctor story is is weird. <laughs> that is one of the weirder stories uh, I've, <laughs> that we've I've, seen in sports. Yeah, that one's out there. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll keep seeing what and what happens with Antonio Brown. Um, like I said, there's no criminal case against him yet uh, with any of the rape allegations, but obviously. Uh, how that scenario is played out is up to the lawyers around um, both camps of the accuser and of Antonio Brown. Um, and when there is a criminal case or whatever is found in the civil suit, I'm sure we will know more. I, I don't know what's going to happen with him, whether he keeps playing or not. He did have a pretty big week for the Pats this week who just steamrolled the Dolphins and Brady made it a point to throw to Antonio Brown and I gotta say looking on the at on field Antonio Brown with that Patriots offense crazy. It's gonna be dynamic but you crazy. really you really don't know who you're gonna guard. You're gonna guard Edelman Gordon, Antonio it's just a whole bunch of weapons for him yeah they got the ball something four times on the same drive. I yeah. mean and the thing is like uh, I think Chris Carter brought this up. This guy isn't even I mean he's you know he trains really hard in all season, but he hadn't really participated in much of the preseason. No. And like he got, he heads into uh what is that Boston, Massachusetts, whatever. He has Foxboroughs Fox in the locker room. He gets to practice in a little bit. First week he get they probably gave him a portion of the playbook. He's perfected it. They go out there and they and no team has yet to score against the Patriots defense yet. So no. something to consider too. Yeah, they um well they've given up three points. But yeah. they haven't given up a touchdown right. since the AFC championship of last year when they played the Chiefs. That's insane. So because remember no touchdowns in the Super Bowl. Rams just kick field goals. Field goal in week one. 
Dolphins may never score a point again in yeah. their franchise history or in the entirety of their franchise. The way it looks, they're trash, absolute garbage. I don't know why you would be a Dolphins fan. Um, yeah, they're pretty bad, but I gotta feel bad for Dolphins fans. And, and um, the Patriots, they might score ten billion points this year. They look amazing, and, and they look better than you thought they would look because they had Josh Gordon, and it looks like things are going right for Josh Gordon right now, who's dealt with a lot of substance abuse histories in the uh, issues in the past, um, and it looks like he's on the right track, and he will be playing for the Pats every week. Um, he's a Great target for Brady. Brady has never had this kind of offense. I mean, he has never... He's had Randy Moss for a year. He's had Ocho Cinco, who didn't really work. He didn't produce in that, that didn't end up so great. He has never had these types of talent on, on his receiving core. Um, so, and Brady looks... I mean, he looks like Brady. Uh, he's like, <laughs> um, but yeah, and the Pats have a very favorable schedule over the next uh, five games or so. Let me pull that up right here. I got it right here. Here we go. Yeah. So, uh, look, listen to the quarterbacks they're playing next and the teams. They go. They play the New York Jets next week. The Jets are starting Trevor Simeon. You win. You just guaranteed win. The next week they play Buffalo. Who has Josh Allen? Um, Josh Allen is in his second year now. Well, probably not going great for the for the Bills. Then they play Washington, who is depending on Case Keenum and their massive contract they gave to Case Keenum. Um, they're going to steamroll Washington. Then they play the Giants and Eli, which is the Giants are bad, but you never know when you're going to get a good game from them. So. We'll see how that one goes. I would imagine the Patriots just, just take care of business. And then they have Baker and Cleveland and Lamar and Baltimore. Those two games could be interesting, not so much for the Pats, but for the two teams that are playing the Pats because it will tell you something about who those teams are. And we're going to learn a lot about those two teams in those two games. I got to say, through the first two weeks, Lamar Jackson looks amazing. His throws have been great. Um, for everyone doubting his throwing ability, I think you've been somewhat silenced in the first two weeks. I'm sure those people are still going to doubt until the season just keeps going on. Yeah, because Lamar uh, led the Ravens 59-10 to 10 over the Dolphins. Uh, oh, no. Last week. That was yes. last week. But anyway, Lamar. Lamar this week went 17 for 20 for 324 yards and five touchdowns. Yeah, and and that um and then so the the Dolphins or excuse me, the Ravens are looking good with Lamar. Um shout out to Hayden Hurst uh and Debo Samuel from right here in Columbia. Guys that just left Columbia not that long ago. Both had touchdowns this week. Debo had a really good week for the 49ers. They were both members of the Gamecock. Uh, football team at one time. Um, Debo had a great week out in San Francisco. And uh, Hayden Hurst had a touchdown for Baltimore. And Stephon Gilmore had his first ever career touchdown. Six, right? Yep. Yep. Pick six for the uh, Patriots in down in Miami. Um, the most interesting news to come out of the NFL today, uh, right before we came on, in about 30 minutes before we started recording, Jalen Ramsey has requested a trade from the Jaguars, and he's finally just... I felt like this was coming for a while. Yep. It, Jalen Ramsey is just finally mentally breaking down, and he's giving up. 
<laughs> with with the Jaguars. Yeah, he wanted before the season. He wanted the new contract, and they were not willing to negotiate with him because they still have under uh, for a couple more years. And then now this, and then he's losing, and he feels like he's a winning player. You know, when even when he was at Florida State, they were winning. So he doesn't like the, the losing culture. It doesn't seem like that team that they once were that AFC team that had that really great ago. year. Yeah. yeah, after that it was like a fluke. Haven't but Colin Coward has his take about this thing. He says the quiet teams usually win. It's not the guys that are the extremely loud teams like that team or even he was saying about the what was that that was the Seattle Seahawks he said for an extended period of time it's the quiet teams so I agree or disagree with a lot of Colin Cowherd but that was one thing I took from and it definitely shows yeah and we'll we'll see um they have right now the Jags have Gardner Minshew at, at quarterback uh he's a Mike Leach guy yeah went to Washington State has probably the most swagger in the entire NFL. <laughs> just a hilarious guy. He's warming up in the in the locker room with just his jock strap on before the game. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah. So apparently he used to do that uh at Washington State if you would sometimes be wearing less than a jock strap. Um yeah, really funny dude. Uh looks like he'll be giving us some great content uh from the from the Jaguars this year. If nothing else, we can laugh. Actually looked pretty good through some decent balls yesterday. Jaguars <laughs> kind of gave away a win. Um tonight we've got Baker and the Browns and Odell Beckham and Nick Chubb and the everyone else who the Browns have put together. Miles Garrett. We'll see how they do. They go to New York. They go to MetLife. They're taking on the Jets. Darnold's out with Mono. Weird. Um, <laughs> so they have Simeon playing for, for the Jets tonight. And uh, obviously this is not coming out until Tuesday. We're actually the Jet. That game should be starting about right now. Um, I'm excited to see Baker. It was not good in week one. Um, we'll see if OBJ wears another half a million dollar watch um and, and it's just gonna be, I, I don't really i don't know how this game is gonna do you want to you want to take bets for the future here who you got right now i'm gonna say the browns you got yeah. the browns tonight yeah i'm gonna say the browns especially with sam darnold being out i really think the browns go ahead and take this one yeah i mean i think i think baker's gonna have a great night um i hope he does he's on a fantasy team really like to beat uh person I'm playing this week that would be great and I expect um I expect at least Odell to get a touchdown hopefully I mean they're spending I think 19 million on Odell like no 17 million maybe on Odell 19 a lot of million money. which guard like 36 million on the receiver of the room alone so I expect a touchdown to Jarvis and uh Odell this week all right that'll be it just football this week um like I said we'll have more things in the future from the lead block uh, get at us on Twitter. That's at the lead underscore block. For myself, Tyler Walters, and my co-host, Matthew Anderson, we thank you for listening. This has been a production of Garnet Media. Royalty-free music has been provided by Ben Sound. Thank you guys for listening. Have a great week. We'll see you Friday.